morning. So good to see you all here today. We're going to get into the Word of God. Today, we're going to learn a little bit more about God's nature and His Spirit. We're also going to learn about kind of how we can live lives fully for God, freely for God, truly for God, and not have the world hold us back. I believe the world we live in right now is it's not great. It's not in a, a good condition. I think you guys can agree. You can just look outside. But what does that mean? Does that mean we just go along with the flow and we just accept it the way it is? Or are we called to do something? So I'm excited to bring the Word of God to you this morning. Last week, Pastor Doug spoke a powerful message, and he kicked off the series, Your Time, Your Turn. And this morning, I've titled my message, You Gotta Serve Somebody. Right? We all serve somebody. Whether we want to or not, it ends up happening. And this series, it's designed to have us look inward. It really is a challenge. And I hope by the end of this series, and even by the end of this message, you guys have made a choice. And this is a call to action. We're all called to be warriors, whether we know it or not. You know, I'm a builder by nature. It's what I do as a living. Even as a little kid, I just love to build Lego. Building, 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 building. But as Christians, we're called to be builders, and we're called to be warriors at the same time. And this does not conflict, but it goes hand and hand. We build and we fight. We build and we fight. And we fight for Jesus. And we build for Jesus. And we build in our lives, and we need to be warriors as well. We're in a battle between good and evil. And we've been in this battle for a very long time. I believe Christians as a whole, lately, we've been turning kind of a blind eye to the chaos that has been going on in the world. And it's kind of gotten harder to turn a blind eye, hasn't it? It's like the darkness is just growing and growing and growing. It's been coming out of the shadows. The things people used to do behind closed doors, now they're doing it and bringing it out into the streets. All those who used to desecrate what was holy, you know, they were considered delinquents. And today they're considered celebrities. Things that used to be shunned, they're now praised. The line between right and wrong has been blurred. Just blurred lines everywhere you look. We live in a world of perpetual gray. There's no black. There's no white. There's just the middle ground where anything goes. And a righteous way of living has not only been abandoned, but it has almost been all but forgotten. Because people aren't being re reminded what is righteousness. How are we to live right lives? It's something you don't hear a lot about these days. Unfortunately, the largest victims of this turning away from God... It's, it falls on our children, right? It falls on the next generation. Our failings are passed on from generation to generation. Just recently, my kids returned to school, and it was good. It's nice to have some stability and routine. Don't get me wrong, summer was fun. We had a lot of good times. We did a lot of things, but there's something about getting back into the routine. That kids, they just thrive on this routine. You know, kids are designed to have boundaries, now, they will test these boundaries, and they are testing the boundaries. Right, Rebecca? <laughs> but that's okay. They still need those boundaries. They need those guidelines and those guardrails. And what it actually does is gives them a sense of safety. It gives them a sense of well-being. It gives them a sense of mental well-being, having these boundaries in place. When we strip away all those boundaries, when we remove God and His Word completely from their education— 
And when we remove right and wrong from lessons that we're teaching them, and when we try and allow children to make their own choices with their undeveloped mind and their undeveloped psyche, the outcome is it leads to confusion and it leads to irreparable damage. They're not designed to be making these choices on their own, nor should they be. And I'm not here today to judge anybody. I really hope this message comes across in love. I do, however, I I need you guys to wake up a little bit to what's going on because we're just kind of lulled by the world into this sleep where it's like, it's okay, accept it, it's all good, right? But that's not what we're called to be. If we don't live holy lives set apart from the world, then who will? Right? The people that are called by God, by His name, to do His will, if we're not the ones that are showing the way to be righteous, who's going to do it? And if we don't instill a sense of righteousness into the next generation, who's going to do it? It's up to us. And it's not enough to simply quietly keep our faith to ourselves. Jesus came and He preached the message, and His message offended those who heard it. The Bible, it's a book of offense. It has standards. It speaks of a God who's never changing. God always was, always is, and always will be. The rules that he had put in his book for us to follow, they always will, they always are, and they always will be. It's never changing. You can't bring God down to your level and change him to fit your lifestyle. I'm sorry, but that is not who God is. And if he was, why would you want to follow after him anyways? Do you not desire something that is constant? Do you not desire something that is set apart? We fall into a trap when we think we need to change just for the sake of being progressive. Just change because there's got to be a better way out there. There's got to be something better on the other side. The grass is always greener. So we look for new things. We look for new ideas. And we explore. We call it advancement in our society every time we promote acceptance. And every time we promote inclusion, we think this is good. This is good, right? We're building something better. We're building a better world where everything is rainbows and sunshine and and happiness. But then why are people still struggling with the things of this fallen world? You can't separate yourself from the sin in this way. We should be less concerned with acceptance, everyone, but more focused on our hearts, more focused on our actions. We should be concerned about being included in God's family. We should be more concerned about living for eternity, not for the right here, not for the right now. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I ask that you would be in this place today. We know you are in this place today, God. It is by your spirit that lives are changed. It is by your spirit that our minds are made open, God, to your truth, to your life. God, we ask that your spirit fall so heavy on this place that your word be spoke with such conviction, with such fire, God, that it burns into our hearts, that we will not leave here today unchanged, God. Amen. Today I want to take you through a story as found in Daniel. And it isn't about Daniel himself particularly. It's an account of his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were three humble servants of the Lord. And despite the pressure on these guys around them, and despite the commandments of the leaders of their day, and even despite the prospect of certain death, these three men remained steadfast in their commitment to following God and his commandments. We first see these three men mentioned in Daniel chapter 1. The Babylonian Empire, it had been raided. 
and it took all the surrounding lands and went into Jerusalem, and it took Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego captive, and they wanted these men to serve in the king's household. These men were chosen because they were young men without defect, young, good-looking men, smart, part of a royal lineage, and they were assigned daily amounts of food and wine, as everyone was in the house of the king. Now, eating this food and drinking this wine was against what God had commanded them. In a way, this was the first test for these three men. It would have been easy for these guys to just go along with the flow and to eat and to drink and to be merry, right? That'd be the easy thing. Free food, free wine. Hey, let's go, right? But no, they knew that wasn't a right choice. Daniel knew it was wrong. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they declined and they decided to take a stand. In a small little matter, they didn't want to defile themselves with food and drink. Instead, they convinced the king official to allow them to only eat vegetables and water, which is what they were called to do. And as you're reading this, it seems like such a small thing, such a little thing. Like, why are they making a fuss about this? Why are they complaining about what they're eating and drinking? And this is my first point. We need to be faithful to God with the little we have, and he will entrust us with so much more. In our walk with God, we rarely get the opportunity to do the big things right out of the gate. Right? God doesn't put everything on us and say, hey, go and, and just take on the world. This is because we are being prepared through the small steps. It is through many trials that we gain perseverance. Right? And perseverance leads to hope, and hope does not fail. As illustrated early on, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faithful to God in what they were putting into their body. This set a precedent. Our faith is like a muscle. We need to work it. We need to train it. We need to begin with the smaller weights and then the bigger weights and lift more and more. We often long to do great things for God. We want to come as soon as we're like born again and just we swing for the fences. That's what society tells us to do. That's in our nature, but we might miss out on the small things. This is because we live in a world that promotes big moves. We long to be famous and honored by men on this earth. This thinking is worldly, and it runs contrary to what God teaches us in our world. Jesus himself said, the last will be first. And Jesus also said that he came to serve us, not to be served. This idea of servant leadership, it's a huge proponent in being a Christian. This is what Jesus teaches us, and it flows contrary to what the world teaches us. Right? The world teaches us you need to take charge, you need to do, get yourself ahead. But here Jesus says, no, the last will be first. Lead and serve. Lead and serve. To be a servant first, we need to follow God and all his commandments. All his commandments. Or why do we preach and say like, oh, it's okay when you fail. It's okay when you fall off. Just follow some and and do your best. But no, we need to be good in the small things. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew this. This is why they had a desire to be holy. You hear this word holy. What does it mean to be holy? simply means to be set apart. Being holy is being set apart. We are called to be holy by getting the small things right, like what we eat, what we drink, how we live when no one is looking, what thoughts we have towards others in our mind, how we treat those who have nothing to offer us. These things that we do with a servant heart, these are the things that will set us apart. Preparation. When I was in Boy Scouts, we had a motto, be prepared. It really stuck with me. You know, we're, we're all called to be prepared. Preparation is something you do before it is needed. 
You think of a squirrel, he goes out in the fall, he gathers all the nuts, stores them all up, so that when winter comes and food is hard to come by, he has an abundance of food. It's being prepared. You cannot prepare after the fact. This goes against the whole principle. As Christians, we are called to be prepared. Much of our preparation has to do with putting on the full armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Right? The armor of God, it consists of the buckle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So we have truth, we have righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and spirit. These are fundamentals of a walk with God. These are things that we don't only follow, but they're part of who we are. We exude them everywhere we go, everywhere we walk. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation. This is played out, you know, by reading the Word of God daily, experiencing God through our prayer life, worshiping Him with all we have, all of our heart. Then we will be fitted with the armor of God, and that way we will be prepared, whatever the enemy throws at us. So often I see people going out into battle just unprepared. First, you have to recognize that there is a battle, and second, you have to put on the armor of God. We go out there naked sometimes, and then we're like, why am I failing? Why am I falling? Why am I continuing in my sin? Well, you're not preparing. You're not suiting up. You're not ready for battle. This is a battle, and if you don't fight it, you're losing. Do you understand that? You can't just sit idly by. You cannot just sit idly by. One of the pieces of armor of God here is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, a breastplate, it protects your vital organs, right? It's over your heart. It's over your lungs. It's protecting your heart. It is no accident that it is righteousness that will protect our heart. And what is righteousness? It's right in the Word. It's living a right life. And if you're living a right life, there has to be a set of standards that we consider to be right. And for me, that set of standards is found in the Word of God. That word of God that I said is never changing. The same yesterday, today, and forever. So we guard our heart by living in righteousness. It is such a vital organ, right? Where does Jesus dwell? He dwells in our heart. He makes our heart his home. We need to be guarding it with the breastplate of righteousness. This is of vital importance. We've set the stage for this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men were following God in the little things. They were protecting their heart. They were being holy. And even though they were taken away from their homeland, you know how hard that had to be? Just ripped from Jerusalem to be servants in the house of the king of Babylon. God is still honoring these men because they're choosing to follow him. In this foreign land, you know, they're being promoted up the political ranks. Righteous living had allowed them to see the favor of the king. It is at this time in these young men's lives where they will be truly tested, where their comfort and their security is going to be put at risk. The king at the time, Nebuchadnezzar, he builds this huge idol in the image of himself. Now this thing is big. It stands 90 feet tall, and it's made entirely out of gold. I couldn't imagine the craftsmanship that went into this. Could you, 90 feet tall, pure gold, I don't know where it is today, but I'm sure it was taken apart and sold 
But the king, he sends, out, he sends out messages to all the rulers, all the people in power in his day, and he, and he brings them all together. And he comes together, and he tells them, he's like, we're going to play a bunch of music, and when all the music is playing, you will bow down and worship this idol made in my image. And not only that, but he says, if you do not bow down and worship this idol, then you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. You will be burned alive if you don't do this. So, what happens? All the music plays, and all the people bow down. Well, all except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These same three men that were following God, setting themselves apart early on with how they ate, now they're really setting themselves apart with who they serve. Just imagine this crowd of people, right? Hundreds of people, and everyone bows down, except three guys. Like, you're kind of exposed. You're standing in the middle of nowhere, just being like, yeah, I'm that guy. Hey, how's it going? Right? This is a picture that I've known since I was a young boy. You've seen these pictures in Sunday school, and, you know, everyone's bowing down. And these three men are taking a stand, and I was always like, these guys are full of so much courage to be able to take a stand. And I've always had this picture with me. But what never crossed my mind before until I was preparing this sermon was how God may have been looking at this situation. I suddenly had this image of God looking at these men, refusing to bow down, refusing to serve this image that wasn't him. And I was struck with this image of God of being so proud, so proud of his faithful servants. God is referred to as our Father. You know, as a father myself, there is nothing that honors me more than seeing my children doing what is right, especially when they do what is right and everyone around them is doing what is wrong, not giving in to that peer pressure, taking a stand. You know, when I see my kids do that, I'm a real proud papa. When everything around them is just failing to do what is right. And I just got this image of God, and his heart is full of so much joy, seeing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, that's what I long from God, to be in that relationship. I want God to look at me and be like, yes, Burton, I'm proud of you. You're doing the right thing. Even though everyone else is going with the flow of the world, doing the wrong thing, I am so proud of you. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing in the midst of all these people, and God is looking at them with joy, have you ever been in a situation like this? Have you ever experienced a time where you were taking a stand? Everyone around you is following the worldly thing, the wrong thing. Everyone around you is choosing to follow this decree that goes against what God has said in his book. Now, if you have taken a stand, then I commend you. It takes so much faith. It takes a close walk with God to stand by your convictions. The reason people fall away when these, these conflicts come is because they don't have that walk with God, right? They don't have those convictions in place. You know, we live in this woke society, and we have the threat of cancel culture, and, and these things are real. And people, it's a real recourse that can be taken against us, and, and it's fear that's being instilled against people taking a stand. We will be persecuted, but that should come as no surprise. It shouldn't. It says in the Bible that as his followers, as followers of Jesus, we will be persecuted. So why, when things get tough and things get troubled, we're like, why, God? Why are you allowing this to happen to your followers? We should be set apart. We should be kept safe. And Jesus says, no, 
you will be persecuted. If you are being persecuted for your faith, then you are doing something right. Conversely, if you're not being persecuted for your faith, you need to start asking yourself some questions. Like, is my lifestyle really not that different? Do I look like the people around me in my workplace? Do I speak like them? Do I think like them? Is there anything at all that sets me apart? These are questions we need to ask ourselves. This is why we need to be warned. If I stood before you today, and I just motivated you, and I was like, yeah, God's going to bless you. You know, just following Jesus is easy street. As soon as you make that choice, you know, your life is made, and you're going to prosper. If I did that today, I would be doing you guys a disservice. Right? Do you really believe that? I hope so. Because, you know, if I just stood up here and motivated you and motivated you, I think I would be doing myself a disservice as well. We need to be challenged. For too long, Christians have turned a blind eye to what is going on to this world. For too long, we have been accepting the evil that is infiltrating our workplaces, the evil that is infiltrating our schools. It's coming into our homes. It's even coming into our churches. And we are just standing by. Last week, Pastor Doug shared a quote from Edmund Burke that says, The only thing for evil to triumph in the world is that good men do nothing. We can be good and yet do nothing. And that's what happens when we see this evil coming up. We see this evil rising up. It's because too many people are doing too little. What are you doing to fight the evil in this world? There are people today that identify as cats. There are grown men that identify as little girls, right? When I was younger, these people would have been told to get help. Go see a psychologist. You know, go to a facility and, and say you need help. There's something wrong. But today, these people are accepted. These people are celebrated. There are laws and policies being put in place today that directly go against the teaching of God. Our children and teachers are being asked to pray to nature. They're being asked to bow down and recite these prayers and actually physically have our children kneel. That is happening in our school systems today. And why are we not waking up to this? Why are we accepting this way of lifestyle? Should we not be taking a stand? Are we not supposed to have no other gods before us? It's not simply enough to just walk away and say, I'm not going to take part of it. We need to be speaking up against these things. It's not just. Where would Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have ended up if they had just gone with the flow and bowed down with everyone else? All those hundreds of people would have bowed down and nothing would have happened. Nothing would have changed. The state of Babylon would have stayed the same. Do you know how important it was that these men took a stand? They rejuvenated the faith. They brought the name of God back into power. What happens when good men do nothing? Are we followers of the laws of men, even if they go against the laws of God? Now, I hear people say that Jesus preached, give to Caesar what is Caesar, and give to God what is God. And they say this means that, you know, whatever politics and, and policies are put into place, we need to follow. Because Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, Give to God. What is God? You know, they have power here on earth. They have dominion here on earth. God, he has dominion in heaven. It's separated. This is false teaching. This is not what it means. This is not what Jesus meant. How many times in scripture, just like this story, do we see people taking a stand for God? 
even when it contradicts the laws of their day. Jesus himself went to the cross because he was challenging spiritual leaders, challenging political leaders of his day. Jesus was considered to be a revolutionary. Do you know that? And that's our Lord. That's our Savior. That is the Son of God. Fully God, fully man. Is that not something we should aspire to be? We are Christians. We are Christ-like. That is what we are called to be. I want to tell you here today, we have turned a blind eye for long enough. Good men have done nothing for long enough. Evil is triumphing. Evil is becoming the norm. We need to band together and say that I will not bow. This isn't a light matter, and it's not easy, and we will be persecuted, but we need to start taking a stand. I will not bow to the idols of this world. I will not bow to a way of life that contradicts God's way of life. And I will not bow to any other God except for the Lord our God. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. And when the king gave them another chance, when they didn't do it, he says, you know, just, just go out there. We're going to do it again. You bow down, you know, and everything will be good. This is their response found in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We will not serve your gods. Wow, what a response. This is so beautifully crafted, isn't it? It's a response to being asked to do something that goes against your convictions. And these guys, these guys have complete faith that God can deliver them. And more than that, even if God doesn't deliver them, they said, we're not going to change our minds. We are willing to give our lives for the sake of this. These three men, they're all in. These three men are fully committed. And these men, they're headed for a fiery furnace, aren't they? They're on their way to be burned. Jesus says in John 16, chapter 33, I have told you these things so that you, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus tells us these things to have peace. He's like, you're going to have trouble. But this is, this is so you can have peace. Because when the trouble comes, know that you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Because I have overcome the world. And following me is a better way. Jesus says it's okay. We're promised trouble in this world. We're even guaranteed it. But God holds the world in his hands. Amen? God is the author and creator of everything. Amen? And God has power to change the hearts and minds of people. It's not me, it's not you that are going to bring people to Jesus. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is Jesus, lives will be changed. People will be broken. People will be woken up to what is going on. I don't want us to deceive ourselves. I don't want us to be here today in church and think that we are saved simply because we said a prayer, simply because we said, Jesus, come into my heart. You're like, well, once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. But how true is that conviction if it doesn't change your life? Jesus says we will be known by our fruits. Just as a good 
plant brings good fruits that we can eat, and a bad plant might give poisonous berries that you can't eat, you know that tree is bad because of the fruit it's bearing. We need to be known by our fruits. If people don't see good fruits in us, like I said, if they don't see a difference in us at work, if they don't see us living a different lifestyle, then we have bad fruits. And we seriously need to be asking ourselves today, if we're living this life of bad fruit, then are we truly saved? Is Jesus truly in our hearts? This isn't easy to hear. It's not easy for me to preach, but I need to preach it because I love you guys and I care for you guys. And I want you not just to only say you are saved with your mouth, but to truly have salvation in your life. We are saved by grace. But you know the thing about that grace is when we are under that grace, we have convictions. And we need to start changing and we need to start living for Jesus and living lives that look different from the world. Because if our convictions don't line up with what we're saying from our mouths, are we truly saved? Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. We don't spend a lot of time talking about things like this. We don't give a lot of thought about being persecuted. But I believe that we will be sustained through our persecution, knowing we will receive the kingdom. All these men who did great things for God, all these martyrs, people that go the distance— they were kingdom-minded. They got a glimpse of Jesus. They got a glimpse of their lives after they left this earth. It is so much greater what is waiting for us in eternity than what we're living right now. We don't spend a lot of time talking about that. And we don't spend a lot of time talking about judgment these days either, do we? Judgment. It's coming to each and every one of us. We're all going to be on the judgment seat. We will stand before God and we'll have to give an account for every deed, every word, every thought that comes out of our mouth. You know, the prospect of that, it actually, like, it scares me to death. It scares me to my core, standing before God and every thought I've ever had, every deed, every word I've ever said. Are you kidding me? Those things I say to people that, you know, they're not Christians and God is privy to that? Yes. We need to give an account. I believe this is a healthy fear. We live our lives on earth in light of eternity, not in light of the moment, not in light of however many years you have here. And this is coming sooner than you think. We will stand before God, and he's either going to cast us away, or we're going to spend an eternity with him, our Father. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I truly believe they had a sense they were eternity-minded. They would gladly go into that fiery furnace on earth instead of to the fiery pits of hell and burn for eternity. They're like, this is nothing. I got this. So let's find out what happens to these men in the furnace. Daniel chapter 3, verses 24 to 30. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, just like that. And the satraps, the prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They wanted to see what was going on. 
They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. The Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Wow! Wow! The king had this decree, right? Bow to me! I'm the best! Look at me! And he witnesses their faithfulness. He witnesses these men taking a stand, and all of a sudden a new law is made that they only serve the God of who? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That is the same God we serve today. So you see the result of taking a stand. The whole kingdom was turned upside down on its head. Even if you're the only one taking a stand for righteousness, Jesus will be with you. He will be with you in the fire, keeping you safe. So when you come out on the other side, what a testimony, right? How your life could be changed. God was with them in the fire. God protected them. And we sing this song at church, there was another in the fire. And that song is all about these guys, how Jesus was with them in the fire, keeping them safe. But it's also a song to us that Jesus will be by our side. Jesus will be with us. Today, by hearing the story of these three men who had faith and chose to take a stand, my hope is that you can be inspired to do the same. We need to come together. We need to pray, and we need to be more faithful in the little things. We must strive for righteousness. And our desire to be holy must influence how we live. We're in a battle. I keep saying that, right? We're in a battle. God made us warriors. But this battle is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We struggle to fight sometimes because we're fighting in the wrong way. We get angry and bitter and we think if we go out there and and yell, something will change. But that's because we're afraid. And the only thing that will get rid of that fear is love. God is love and his perfect love will cast out all fear. So as a church... As his followers, we need to band together, we need to get on our knees, and we need to pray. First, we need to pray for forgiveness, for not doing enough. So I'll tell you right now, we're not doing enough. And then we need to pray for courage, courage like these men did. And we need to pray for help to be able to live these holy lives set apart. Let's get our spiritual house in order. Let's defend the bride of Christ, which is her church. We are defenders. Let's be a church that is a light on a hill. We are city light. Let's be true to our name and let's shine in the darkness of this city and let's reach people for Jesus. Amen? Let's take a stand and refuse to bow down to the things of this world. Let's close in prayer.
Heavenly Father, thank you for this message. I thank you for the people that you've brought in here today. God, I pray that even we could, you know, take communion after this and take it kind of with a new perspective that you died for us so that we could live these lives free from the burdens of this world. God, even though we're in the world, we are not of the world. We answer to a higher power. We are spiritually minded. and We war in the spirit, God. We just invite your spirit in here today, God. God, will you do battle in our minds? Will you do battle in our hearts? Will you open the eyes of our hearts to see the things that are unseen? God. God, I pray that you would just have your way with each and every person here today. Have your way with each and every follower. You know, every time we're up here and we preach, and we give a chance for people to come to Jesus. We give a chance for people to, to give their lives to Jesus. And honestly, I am struggling with the call today because I don't want people to come to Jesus simply because they're saying it with their lips. I don't want people to just be like, yeah, that was a great message and, and make this choice, but not be changed not have the fruit in their lives changed, Father. But I pray that people would come to Jesus today and maybe they're coming back to Jesus, but it would be a true change. It would be a change that can be seen on the outside where they would bear much fruit and it would be good fruit. If you're struggling today and you've been going through the motions, you've been coming to church and you've just been missing something, if you've been missing that conviction that would give you the ability to stand, give you the ability to make a choice to follow God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. We're called to not lean on our own understanding and maybe today you're thinking too much. Maybe today you are just clouding your mind with everything that can distract you, everything that you have on your plate, all the stresses of your life, Maybe you're going through illness and sickness. Maybe you're stressed out at work. Maybe you're just bitter. Maybe you're just worn out. And maybe you're angry with God. Maybe you're so angry with God and you're like, God, why? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening? You know, if that's you here today, I just think you need to open your heart and open your mind to what Jesus says. He says, come to me all who are weary, all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. doesn't say he'll take away the problems, but he will give you rest. And today, if that's you and you, and you need a rest, would you just, just pray after me? Dear Jesus, forgive me for not following you with all my heart. Forgive me for not being different than those around me. Today I ask and commit my life fully to you. I don't want there to be any doubt in my mind that my name will not be in the book of life when I stand before you. God, may you make my conviction today true. I put on that belt of truth. God, may you give me the ability talk to others about you. I put on those, those boots that are ready for the gospel of peace. 
God, may you allow me to live a righteous life. I put that breastplate on. God, may you increase my faith today that I may be so bold as to stand for you. I put on that shield of faith. And may your spirit come in like fire. May it fill my life and refine me, God. May I be refined by the fire of your spirit. I take your word, which is the sword of the spirit, God. And I cut away everything in my life that will keep me from experiencing that full life that you have called me into today, God. We can be holy. We can be set apart. You say, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will be, you will find. I know there's someone here today, God, that has been praying that. They've, they've, just, they've been seeking you. God, why aren't you, you know, just answer my prayers. And they need to know that you are answering their prayers. They are finding more and more. Sometimes when we say, God, I, I want more of you, and we say, God, I want you to show me the way, and it, it doesn't come in the way we think, but it comes as a struggle. It comes as a burden. It comes as pain. God, we still need to accept it because it's from you. It's through that persecution that we will get perseverance. And through that perseverance that we will have hope. Know today that God is preparing this church to do great things for his name. Know today that God is moving in this church to reach the people of Lethbridge, to go into those dark corners, to meet with those people who everyone else has given up on and just bring them into the fold. May we fill our seats and fill our doors with souls that can be written in the book of life, where we can be the influence to bring people to Jesus in a true connection. Spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth, God. May your spirit reign. May your spirit reign here today. And if you are here today and you have not given your life to Jesus, and you truly want to make that commitment, then you can say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I have sinned against you. And I don't deserve it. But will you come into my life? Because your word says that even though it's undeserved, you'll save me. I ask for that gift of salvation. Come make my heart your home. I choose to follow you choose to follow your words. I choose to follow what you have commanded me to do. And I, I lay down my own life. I, I lay down my own desires. I give it all up for the sake of your name, for the sake of your glory. Amen. You know, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time today, I just ask that you would lift your hand up. You'll take hold of that commitment. It's important before God men. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. God, I just pray that you'd be with us this week and you'd be with us as we take communion, God. That you would just purify our hearts by your refiner's fire.